Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. Today we'll be listening to a message from Pastor Brandon Sharp. Last week, we talked about suffering. Um, and we talked about it from, from this standpoint. If you haven't gotten a chance, please go listen. Although I think you'll be able to follow along today, even if it's, even if it's part one for you, but it is a part two. Um, and this is what the Lord highlighted last week with suffering. One, we're called. We're called to it. Say that together so I know you're with me, right? I'm called to suffer. It's okay to say that. That's not a lack of faith. We're not agreeing with hell. We're agreeing with heaven. And so, so we looked at that in First Peter, and, and again, I'm so grateful a sister came up to me this morning and just said, man, Brennan, I, I heard you say, Lord, steady us, and I really think that's that's where the Lord is, right? And so steady us right here. So the first is we're called to it, and that'll change the way that we approach it all together. The second is this. <clears throat> I'm gonna try not to move around as much today. Joel told me last week I was like a ping pong ball. The second is this. Um, there's suffering that has value, and there's suffering that has no value, right? And so we have to suffer for righteousness. We have to suffer for doing good. We have to suffer for Christ's sake, not for our opinions, not for our flesh, and not for idiocy, okay? So is that fair? We're called to it. There's righteous suffering, and today I want to pick that up and say when we, when we endure suffering, when we're going through suffering, uh, how do we do that, and how do we do that well? Here's a title for you, title lovers out there. Um, Anchor points for endurance. You guys like that one? I liked it. Anchor, anchor points, <laughs> that's just honest, anchor points for, for, for endurance. You know, we, we don't hear a ton just in the large picture about endurance, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if there's many more important topics that, that we, can, we can really focus in on than endurance. And so these are, these are things that I feel like will, will anchor us in a season where we really, we really need endurance, we really need to walk well. And, and the scripture I want to start with, I'm not going to turn there, but um, no, it won't be up here either. I'll just, I'll just tell it to you. It says, it's in Hebrews 12, first couple of verses, and it says, <clears throat> Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Maybe Hebrews 12 too. Yeah, check me out there, you scholars. Um, so Hebrews 12 too, Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Um, so what I want us to see in that, and I believe that joy was probably manyfold, but twofold that I'll pull out and kind of focus on. <clears throat> I like your shirt, Michelle. Sorry, y'all, a little squirrely this morning, but you know, you get it. It says waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. The two pieces of the joy that were set before him that I'll call out are, are this, obedience to the Father, right? The Lord found great joy in obeying the Father, and the second was the pleasure he takes in us his people, and restoring the relationship, right? So those were two things that he would, have, he would have set his eyes on, fixed his gaze on, set his heart on, that empowered him to endure the horror that was the cross. Is that a fair statement? Okay, you guys with me? So, so when we think about anchor points for endurance, think about in, in Christ's case, obedience to the Father and love for his body were those anchor points and that empowered endurance. 
in his life in a very real way, to walk something out in a very real way. And I believe if we can, if we can set our focus and we can set our eyes on, on, on things that are very solid and very grounded with the Lord, they will empower endurance in our suffering as well. Okay, you with me? Let me, let me, let me, let me give you a, let me give you a, <clears throat> I'm going to give you five things, right? I know that seems like a lot. I don't do a lot of five things, but it's going to be five things this morning. So just let what settles with you settle with you. And the first one is this. As we go through um, what many of us would call, and, and I think in some cases rightfully and in some cases a little flighty, but as we go through what many in this country would call suffering at this point in time right now, there's something in our hearts that connects to suffering on a larger level. And this happens all the time in life, right? When you go through something, all of a sudden you become aware of others going through it as well. Yeah, is that fair? <clears throat> How many have gotten a new car or new to you car in the last five years? Come on, make me feel alone up here. When you got that car, right? Say it was a Honda Pilot. When you got that, I don't want to be, I don't want to be saying some car up here that would insult Frank Clark back there. Say it was a Honda Pilot, right? <laughs> and, and when you got that Pilot, all of a sudden, you notice Pilots everywhere. Isn't that weird? But it's true, right? And it's because we see the world through our experience. It's, it's just, it just is what it is. And so, and so, but it's like that when we go through good things. It's like that when we go through tragedy and, and terrible things. There's something in us that identifies to that same experience in this larger, larger picture called life. So as we walk through, as we walk through difficult times and, and I believe walk through suffering and, and persecution for the gospel at some level, and, and may become much more intense in the, in the future, right? Let's take an honest look at it. Um, I'm not saying that'll happen. It just might happen. One of the first things we can do is, is we can do what Hebrews 13, 2, that'll be up there for you. We can do what that says. We become aware of our brothers and our sisters around the world. Is that two? Did I give you three? I want three. It says, remember those who are in chains as if you were in change yourself because you also are a part of the body, right? And so it's this idea, Paul is saying, hey, even though, even though persecution may not be quite to this degree for you, remember those who are in that place. Remember them, pray for them, be aware, be, be exposed. Don't live your life in such a way where it's like, ah, oh, glad, glad that's not our problem here. That is, that is not the kingdom answer, right? And so five things. The first is this. Remember our persecuted brothers and sisters. I think this could be one of our greatest opportunities in this hour as we walk through what we're walking through. And I think it does several things. I think it, I think it gives us context in our own lives, in our own suffering, in our own difficulty. And we can just speak to those things with balance, when we intentionally become aware of what people are going through around the world. But I also think there's encouragement to be found in our own struggle. So let's do, let's do this. I'm going to read you guys a couple of things from a Christian organization called Open Doors. You can go to the website, opendoors.usa. I'm not here to market for them, but I found it to be a great experience. Uh, they send out a uh, World Watch um, World Watch letter, WWL, I think, is 
and, and it's about the 50 nations and gives some details around the world where Christian persecution is at its height. Um, and so here's a little bit off their website and they were just answering the question, what is Christian persecution? A woman in India watches as her sister is dragged off by Hindu nationalists. She doesn't know if her sister is dead or alive. A man in, North, in a North Korean prison camp is shaken awake after being beaten unconscious. The, beating, the beatings begin again. A woman in Nigeria runs for her life. She has escaped from Boko Haram, who kidnapped her. She is pregnant. When she returns home, her community will reject her and her baby. A group of children are laughing and talking as they come down to their church's sanctuary after eating together. Instantly, many of them are killed by a bomb blast. It's Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka. These people don't live in the same region or even on the same continent, but they share an important characteristic. They're all Christians, and they suffer because of their faith. While Christian persecution takes on many forms, it's defined as any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. It's defined as any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Jesus Christ. From Sudan to Russia, from Nigeria to North Korea, from Colombia to India, followers, followers of Christ are targeted for their faith. They're attacked, they're discriminated against at work, at school, they risk sexual violence, torture, arrest, and much more. In just the last year, there have been over 340 million Christians living in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. 4,761, these are very conservative numbers, by the way, 4,761 Christians killed for their faith, 4,488 churches and other Christian buildings attacked, 4,277 believers detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. These numbers are heartbreaking, and yet they do not tell the whole story. And he goes on to quote James, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. <clears throat> Again, I'm just going just gonna to kind of put this out there for, for our processing, um, just to invite the Lord into with, with all that we face in this country, in our own families, our own finances, with the virus, with political, you know, with, with race, all these things. To, to recognize, to see, you guys know me, I love context, right? And so to see our, our suffering right here as the body of Christ in, in America, in context, what it's surrounded by, helps me. Just all by itself, just, just awareness, right? And I think if we'll, if we'll take that and intentionally uh, expose ourselves to it and then, and then go a step beyond that and pray and then the Lord really connects our heart to, to what's going on. One, our brothers and sisters need that. Need that prayer. And two, I think it will steady us in, in our own walk, right? And we'll have balanced perspective in that. In this way, that next verse in Hebrews 12 says, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners lest you become discouraged, weary and discouraged in your own souls. So, so I think in the same way that we consider the Lord and there's encouragement there, there's strength there as we consider our brothers and sisters and what they're walking through, there's strength there as well.
Would you guys agree? Is that good? I know that's heavy. I know that's heavy, church, but that's okay. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is body, right? The, the weight hits the body, and it's distributed, and, and it's just true, and we don't need to stick our heads in the sand and, and act like it's not so. We just need to healthily engage, and, and I think that's an awareness. I think that's in prayer. The Lord may move some of you to support, and then also, you know, let it, let it bring perspective to our own struggle. So, I think that's all I'll say about that for now. Remember our persecuted brothers and sisters. The second is this, church. As we walk through suffering, as we walk through difficulty, and, and particularly, um, I want to I narrow it a little bit. Go over to Matthew 5. Particularly, as people set themselves against us for our faith in Christ, for our identification with Christ. Again, not any opinion, not any cause out there that you want to join yourself to because there's both health and unhealth in every one of those causes and who's fighting for them, but persecution for Christ's sake. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Love for enemies is, is our second. You know, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here because we've kind of been talking about this, but, but I, I do just wanna say this. I think this is one of the largest things lacking in the church right now, right? We're doing a fantastic job of, I don't even know if I can say that, Lord, we do a better job of identifying our enemies than we do loving our enemies, right? And, and I don't know that everyone that we've identified as our enemy is, is, is actually our enemy. So 43, you've heard that it was said. Now remember, this is important, let me back up. Remember, this is right after turn the other cheek, go the second mile, give away your cloak also, which we've determined previously is not revenge, it's not revenge, it's restitution, and it limits punitive damages, right? So if you step on my son's toe and bruise it, I can't take your daughter's life. It limits restitution, it limits punitive damages. That's what eye for an eye actually means. So set that in context, meaning the Lord doesn't call us to be doormats. I don't want you to hear in these two messages, the Lord calls me to be a doormat and just be run over by everything and everyone all the time with no voice. That's not God. That's not scripture. That's not what it teaches. But there is an, an incredible, sacrificial, gut-wrenching love that God calls us to have for enemies. It's just not without boundaries. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Why, Lord? Why would you tell me to do that? That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Goes on to say, what benefit is if you only love those who love you? Then you're as good as the tax collectors and you're as good as the sinners. Be perfect, be mature like your father in heaven, right? And so the why behind love your enemies, again, it's many fold, but, but what I'm hearing loud and what I'll communicate to you loud is it's, it's who the father is. It's who our God is. This is what he does. He's not gonna call us to walk contrary to who he is. He's not gonna call us to pray in a way contrary to who he is. 
So this is beautiful to me. One, I want to say this. Your enemies are not those who, who don't share your opinions. My, my enemies are not those who disagree with me. That does not make you my enemy. We can be friends. We can have dinner. We can, we can hug. I'm a hugger. We can, do, we can do life together. I will love you in a place of disagreement. Right? The Lord has to grow us up so we get there where that's not even difficult for us. The difficult thing is for me to love you when, when, when you curse me, when you hate me, when you spitefully use me, you persecute me. That's the call. That's the call. Why? It's who the Father is. That's what the Father does. I have answered the age-long mystery of why do the wicked prosper? This is worth the price of admission this morning. You ready for it? Why do the wicked prosper? Because God prospers them. Why do the wicked walk in health? Because God has mercy and gives them that health. Right? Why do the wicked have good ideas? Why can they make money? Why, why, is, why are things in their life being built up? Because that's the mercy and goodness of our Father God. Because God abides by his own rules. And this is what he gave us. Why do the wicked prosper? Because he loves them as his enemy. Why do they prosper? Because he blesses them as they curse him. Why do they prosper, Brandon? Because... He prays for those who spitefully use him. Because he does good to those who hate him. Isn't that amazing to think about, church? How do you think you and I came to Christ? How do you think you, you didn't die before you came to him? How do you think anything good in your life and in my life existed before we got it all together? Oh, wait, we haven't. I really want to get us in touch with the mercy of God today with his goodness, with Romans 5, 8, Robert Britt. While we were his enemies, Christ died for us. And so, Brandon, what does all the navigation of this look like? I don't know, church. Let's do life together and figure it out on a daily basis. We'll have conversations. Let's, let's, let's support each other. Let's love each other. Let's pray together. Let's get wisdom because it's not clear and it's not easy. It's just the call. It's just how we be like them. So first, remember our brothers and sisters. Anchor points that will empower endurance in our life. First, remember those outside yourself who are suffering. Second, actually take the call to define your enemies correctly and then love them well in that place with the kind of outlandish mercy and goodness that God has demonstrated toward you and me. That's what's not happening in the church today in large degree. You guys with me? All right. <clears throat> let's go over to Acts 4 and I just want to walk us through kind of the second half of Acts 4 and we'll see, we'll see our next and final 
three things that can anchor us. First, remember those persecuted. Second, actually love our enemies. Third, godly friendships. Here's what's going on in Acts 4 as we come up to it, right? I'm gonna pick up in 23 when I start reading. But in three and then beginning of four, what you have is there was a lame man. He was laid at the gate, beautiful. This would have been a regular occurrence. Peter and John were coming up to the temple at the hour of prayer and they lay eyes on this lame man and he looks at him expecting to receive something. They set their gaze on him and Peter says, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And he grabs his hand and he lifts him up and God strengthens that man. Heals him and strengthens. You know what happens when you lay for years and years and years, right? There's multiple miracles going on here. Heals the condition and strengthens his bones and ligaments and muscles and nerves and all these things in a moment of time. And that man jumps to his feet and goes with Peter and John, leaping and praising God into the temple. Yeah? Can we say, that's good, Father. That's great. Do that. More of that, Lord. Right? And so that draws a crowd. People see this guy, and he's been laying there a long time. So they know this guy. Scripture tells us later in four, he's over 40 years old. Somebody say, that's old. That's that's me in two months, right? In a month. So they recognize him, and and people people start coming. They start coming together. Well, Peter says, it's an opportunity to to preach the gospel right here. So he gets everyone's attention and he, he preaches, he preaches Christ, right? He preaches, hey, the one, the one we just hung on a tree, he's resurrected, he's alive. There's, there's salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And so, so he's preaching that. That second part comes a little later. He's preaching it and guess who gets upset? Come on, help me out. The Pharisees. Right, the, the, the Sadducees, the, the religious leaders, the council, they're upset that, that they're not the main draw. And they're upset that the name of Jesus is being proclaimed. So they, they grab them, they take them in custody. Now this is important for the first part of the conversation. Did they instigate? Peter and John, did they instigate? No. They went up there to pray. The miracle itself was an interruption. They're just doing the sensible thing. Well, Lord, you brought a crowd together. I think we should share Christ. They never engage the leaders. Just take it into the processing, gang. Just take it into the conversation, right? They did not engage. They were simply following Christ, loving well, preaching, teaching, and healing. The persecution came to them. You guys with me? I feel like that's important. That's why I take a moment there. And, and so the conversation goes, you can go read, read Acts 3, read Acts 4. I'm not gonna take too much more time here. Just to say this, the threat was very clear. The threat was, we command you not to preach or teach in this name anymore. I think, we've, I, think we've, I think we've muddied what persecution actually is. That's persecution. Those things I read, that's persecution. When someone says, are you, are you a Christ follower? Yes, and they pull a trigger, that's persecution. When someone says, you shut up about Jesus, I never wanna hear his name again, 
in my presence. That's persecution. If you bring up his name again, you're, 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 you're fired. You know, whatever. There's some kind of direct consequence. I say that carefully. We're there to work, y'all. You're on the job to work. 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 Honor. That's what you're paid to do. We have to be mature believers, mature Christians. But, but, what these religious leaders were holding over Peter and John was you forsake Christ. It's not a love relationship meant to be lived in secret, gang. Right, Tori? They tell you, don't you say his name again. Isn't that the same as forsake him, leave him? It's that vital in the relationship right? If someone said, don't you ever, don't, don't you ever mention Jace ever again? What? You can't do that. You can't do that. The relationship, the love, it's a natural overflow. It's the same with the Lord. So, so that's what they're saying in no more in this name, forsake him. That's why they respond. This is very important to understand. That's why they respond with whether it's right to obey God or man, you decide. We can't help but speak about the things we've seen and heard. You guys tracking with me? That sets it up in 23. Let me read from 21. When they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions. and reported all that the chief priest and the elders said to them. I love this in several different versions. They went to their own, they went to their own companions, they went to their own company, they went to their own friends, they went to their own people. As you read across the versions, this is, this is a question as big on my heart as any right now. Who are your people? Who are your people? Right When you really struggle, when life gets really tough, when people come against everything you value and attack it, who do you go to? This is, this is just a question to let sink and let, let settle with us because, because the God calls us to community and God calls us to healthy relationships and God calls us to friendships, this is what it boils down to, right? This is, this is how you know. Now listen, I don't wanna make anybody feel lonely. I don't make anybody feel condemned, you know, at all. It is, it's, this, it's this heart posture. It's this heart place of, of evaluating whether you and I really believe that, that God wants us doing life with each other and, and really building friendship and really building building a, a tie that, that binds and, and really someone that I could call up or you could call up. And, and when you feel like you can only have an honest conversation with, with three people, these are those three people, right? When you feel like you gotta be fake around everybody else, but these three people right here, like I can just sit down, I can let my hair out, no pun intended, right? Like I can cry, I can snot, I can, I can whatever, I can look good, I can not look good. Like this is just me. And sometimes I'm gonna look great and sometimes I'm gonna be a mess, but you're one of my people, so you're gonna get it no matter the season. We gotta have those people. And the more intense it gets and the more suffering ramps up and the more difficult the season, the more that this resource will become 
critical. People that, that, that don't have close friendships, right? People that aren't doing life together, they're not getting together, they're not doing coffee together, they're not going to games together, they're not processing life, they're not playing golf, they're not doing whatever it is you do. Right, whatever, think about community. I, I said this this morning talking to somebody, one of my kids. Think about community, common union. Oh, I know, we passed a group of Corvettes on the way here on the, the Sunday shop right off of, right off of uh, whatever that road is, 2427. And, and I was like, what are they doing? I said, they're having community. Common unity. In this case, the unity, do you own a Corvette? That's what they're doing. Right, and so, so coming together in these places where there's, there's, there's natural, there's organic, there's, there's, there's ties that bind and nourishing those and building those. Let me tell you a part of what I think is at center, family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, obviously the body, the church, and a person who's peaceful toward you. Don't force the conversation. Spend time on the peaceful conversations. When you put something out there a little bit and it's received, invest there. Don't worry about the person who bucks. Just pray, just pray for them. Spend your time elsewhere. Is that fair? This is so important. We have to, we have to start talking about how do we build this really? But the first thing, looking at you, Ed Price, I think you do a good job of this. I think you do a good job of this. I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the way that you invest in people. It challenges me to the core. And that's what it takes. That's what it takes. We know that, y'all. We know that in our families. We know that in our friendship. It takes time. It takes investment. It takes, it takes constancy. It takes consistency. It takes all these things to, to really build something that is steady enough and strong enough that in moments like this, you're not asking the question, who, who do I go to? These guys, they weren't figuring out where they were going after they were threatened and released. It was a no-brainer. Do you guys hear that? This is so important. Underline that, highlight that, circle that in blood seven times. They went to their own. This is their, this is their, where you at Bryson? This is their tribe, right? Where you at Jordan? Drew? This is their tribe. Who are your people? I once had someone say to me, and I've, I've always loved this since it was, since it was said, the transparency, transparency is, is the essence of God's holiness. I, I believe that, right? That, that you can almost, you can almost, you can almost see, see through because he has nothing to hide. He has no ulterior motive. He has no secret agenda. Everything's pure, right? So think about that transparency, and we have to build relationships, church. We can't, we can't do church. We can't play church. I love this gathering. I love this experience. I love the teaching of the word, right? I serve here. I believe in it. I love our worship. I love our worship. It does not substitute for our relationships. They are here. 
Because unless we can honestly and wholeheartedly and, and messily, that's not even a word, I just made it up, but I like it, messily do life with one another, it's not church. It's not church. We're going to we're gonna have to find something else to call it, Tori. It's not church. Unless we're getting to know one another, value one another, appreciate one another, love one another, connect with one another, struggle with one another, succeed with one another, encourage with one another, fail with one another, minister the gifts to one another, the gospel to one another, truth to one another, and prayer to one another. It's not church. Agree, Brock. Now, listen. <laughs> this is, listen, listen. It's not just anybody. It's not just anybody. Right? If your Aunt Betsy is one of these people and your Aunt Betsy can't speak life into you, she's not these people. Right? It's not someone to agree with yours and mine, our dysfunction, our opinion, our misery, our belly aching. It's not someone who, who, who arms wide open and hugs my gossip. And your gossip, not these people. So it's not just people. It is, it is people with Christ at center of all that they are. How do you know that these are the people? Because being let go, they went to their own companions. They reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Transparency. So when they heard it, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Man, I'm passionate right here, if you can't tell. Right? These are the people, like so many I look at around this room and I go, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord. What a, what a beautiful group of people you've assembled. Because there's so many people that I can come to and there's so many people that can come to me and we can honestly share and our first response, our gut response is, let's go to the Father. Right? Our gut response is, let's engage the truth of who God is right here. Let's bring life into this thing. Let's pray. Let's agree. Let's encourage, right? Let's have empathy and sympathy and understanding for one another and where we are, and then let God bring beauty from these ashes, right? And so, and so as you think about they went to their own and who are my people, I think it's so intentional the way that this story is laid out that they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, I wanna look at this prayer. We're gonna break it down into three things. I love this prayer. Thank you, Lord, for showing me this prayer and us today. When they heard that, that they raised their voice with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. I love that. Don't you love that? Isn't that what we need right now, church? Remember your brothers and your sisters who are being persecuted. Have vision beyond your own struggle and your own persecution. Love your enemies. Build godly friendships that go way, way, way beyond the surface. Have a right posture. Pray a righteous prayer. Have a right posture. Pray a righteous prayer. What does a righteous prayer look like in the midst of persecution? Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. 
staying here. I'm spending just a moment here. We're not gonna glide by this. Not only do we need these people who will demonstrate this posture, right, and serve us in this way and connect to us in this way, we need to be aspiring to be this person, right, to those around us, to be that friend who, who when, when the trouble comes, right, when the honesty comes, when the challenge comes, that, that the first thing, doesn't this sound a lot like, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name? Isn't that striking? God, you're God of heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. What's he saying? The starting place here is you own it all. Don't speak in this name anymore. Forsake what you think you know and you heard and you saw. Leave it. God, you're God. You're sovereign. You and it all, right? What is our struggle need right now, right? What is the pandemic need right now? What is this place of seeming impossible decision making need right now, right? What is the hate in race in our country need right now? What is the continued political turmoil need right now? What are the million different opinions and, and, and such a willingness to express them and get hateful and get ridiculous and die out? What does it need right now? God, you're God. You're God of heaven. You're God of the earth. You're God of the sea. You're God of all that's in them. No authority exists except the authority that you appoint. You hold the heart of the king in your hand and you turn it whichever way you desire. Until we buy into this wholeheartedly, not just mentally, but in our posture, in our words, in our practice. Until our conversations with those around us are demonstrating that we believe this, until our prayers are reflecting that this is a revelation in our lives, we don't need to move past this point. Because we will be shaky ourselves and we will be a shaky foundation for anyone that feels led to lean on us. Let's continue. What a beautiful prayer. Oh my goodness. Your God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Stop. Look up. Eyes on me, please. I want to spend a moment right here. God, you're God. You own it all. Acknowledge your sovereignty. Father, we acknowledge that you're not out of control, that you're not spinning, that nothing's caught you off guard, nothing's caught you by surprise, nothing has you in a weakened posture, nothing backs you into to a corner and gets you responding defensively. That is not possible with our God. That is an insult to all that he is. It doesn't mean the church doesn't have a responsibility to pray and act and respond, but... It starts with that. And then he says, why do the nations rage? 
Why, why did everyone that could gather together gather and, 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 and come against your holy servant, Jesus? I'm going to flip over to Psalms 2. You don't need to go there. I'm going to come right back here. I just want to read Psalms 2 real quick because it's amazing. And it's where this comes from. It's what he's quoting. Remember he said, you, you said it through your servant David. Just listen to this. Let me read it over you. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The king of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break, listen there, let us break there. God's. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their, capital, God's, and cast away their cords from us. You know what his response to that is? Does anyone know? Ha, 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 ha. I love that. Oh my goodness, Lord. Grow your church up in your might and your strength. You are almighty God. God of gods, king of kings, lord of lords. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will decree and declare. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, kings, you listen. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest you be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little, but a little, but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Flip back over to four. They were gathered together, right? Evil had a plan. Those moving with the enemy had a plan. The gospels tell us Satan entered Judas. The cross is the greatest satanic attack in history. The cross is also at the same time the greatest redemptive act in history. On your part, they'll be blasphemed. On their part, but on your part, he'll be glorified. We have to believe this, church. This is important. Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things and the king of the earth took their stand and all the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ? Truly, Truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. By the way, that pretty much covers everybody. We got all the people groups, right? The unbelievers, the believers, and authority all came together against your Christ. Doesn't that feel like where we, where we are in some respects? Doesn't that feel like where we're going? In some respects, listen to the truth from the Father's perspective. They were gathered, 28, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done.
beautiful. They were gathered with their plan. And your plan swallowed up their plan to do whatever your purpose determined long ago. When we believe in the midst of persecution, God, you're God. And everything evil is submitted to your divine story and plan. There will be this place of steadfastness and peace. And what David says in the, ta- in the Psalms will be true of us. The righteous, they're not shaken, right? When we believe these things, they will be reflected in how we pray. I'm not going to read it to you. We're wrapping up. We've got to get out of here. I'm just just going to share it with you. Lord, look on their threats. Box it in, church. That's all they had to say about those coming against everything that mattered to them in life. It wasn't long. It wasn't drawn out. They weren't flipping tables or doing cartwheels, gathering the whole city (coughs) to pull down the strongholds. Lord, God of gods who manipulates it all for your holy purpose. Look on their threats. That's all they said, gang. I know we're talking about one gathering. I know we're talking about one prayer, right? You can't, you can't bet everything right here, but this needs to be a part of our processing. It needs to be a part of our conversation and our approach. Just look, Lord. Just look, Father. See that? Now, that's enough. Now grant to your holy servants boldness to speak your word. Where was their focus? When we have these things set up, when our theology is correct, then our focus can be on ourselves. It can be between us and God. We can be concerned about our own condition. Father, we need boldness, God. We need strength. We need you to empower us to declare your word. God, we need you so we don't shrink back. Do this, Father, by stretching forth your hand to heal through your holy servant, Jesus. And that signs and wonders would be done in his name. And God was so pleased. In the midst of persecution, right posture, righteous prayer. So pleased with that prayer, he shook the building. And he filled them again even though he had just done it with his Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. That opportunity is still on the table. Stand with me.
You're good, God. You're a good Father. We worship you. You're so patient, God. You're so kind. You're so long-suffering. So gentle with us as we walk through the process, Father, and try to figure it out, God. I thank you that you, you know we need revelation. You know we need to, to see your perspective, Father, to see beyond ourselves, God. And so once again this morning, Father, God, just steady us. Father, just minister peace to us. God, I pray that, that we would process what we're going through personally, but also as a church, the climate that we're, we're entering into. Not in a box that is an American reality. Father, your body is a global body. And so move our hearts, God, and stir us in that place. I, I thank you that, that when the group gathers every Monday night, they're praying over a country where the Christian influence is so little. Father, I thank you that, that you use this body, God, to support missionaries and those spreading the gospel here in the States, Father, and over in Asia, God, and in the Middle East. And I thank you for inviting us into the global story, Father, and I pray that you would do it even more. You would grow, grow our hearts in that place. Grow our ability to give an influence in that place, Father. Grow our prayer life in that place, God, of being mindful of our brothers and our sisters. Father, steady us in loving our enemies, God. Steady us in knowing who our enemies are and not having a sloppy definition and not easily assigning people to that place. But God, even when it's established, let our response toward our enemies look like your response to the one who was your enemy and has been reconciled. Help us in that place, God. Help us in that place. Help us in the place, Father, of not doing church, but valuing people and investing in relationships, God. And seeing our need for honest conversations and true friendship. Show us how to build that. I want to be a church full of friends. Show us how to build that. God, you are God. Lord, you are God of heaven. You are God of earth. We're gathered to celebrate your sovereignty. Father, we're gathered to celebrate a God who works even the plans of evil and the people of evil to his holy purpose. Purify our prayers. Purify our prayers. God, let us be anchored into these places that will empower endurance in the season here and the season coming. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.